Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. You could say it's wages day on the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer as we sit around the table to discuss wage bills, how Everton slash theirs, and how how big or small Everton's squad should be going into the new season. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today joined by Dave Prentice and Gav Buckland. Uh, very much welcome chaps and we're basing this podcast, Preno, on obviously the, the comments from Marcel Brands, which were obviously of huge interest to Evertonians, where he mentioned, as we thought, uh, a confirmation that Everton will need to slash the wage bill and reduce their squad. Um, is that the right course of action, reducing the wage bill for Everton this summer? Yeah, I think we need to qualify it first of all, because I know there's been a little bit of uh, concern, certainly on some of the social media networks, about Everton apparently requiring or having to you know, slash their wage bill and uh, reduce the cost. They don't have to. I think Farhad Mashiri wants to do that. He just wants to see his, uh, his money working harder, uh, because you know, certainly it didn't appear to work very hard for him last summer. Uh, and it's just prudence, you know, so a careful management of a football club. Um, when you read these comments, you then automatically start looking a little bit you know, more closely at Everson's wage bill. And I have to say, I, I was shocked, stroke, you know, surprised that you know, the, the, the wages that a number of Everson players are earning. And you understand why uh, you're trying to attract good players from all over Europe. You know, so you're, trying to, you're taking a punt on some players. I mean, Sandro Ramirez, six-figure salary. But Everson played such a you know, modest transfer fee for him. You can understand why they were prepared to pay him those, you know, those extra wages. Uh, but when you look at them all in isolation, I mean, Ashley Williams seems you know, is earning a huge uh, sum of money. Davy Klassen, obviously Wayne Rooney and Morgan Schneidlin, the big earners. Uh, you can understand why there's a need or... or, or a desire rather than a need to want to reduce those limits and yeah I think just you know a leaner you know sort of harder working squad is healthy. Gav are you, were you worried or concerned when you when you read what Marcel had said and, and, and heard his intention and Marcel, uh, Marco's intention to reduce a wage bill and reduce the squad? Uh, no because I think the squad needs reducing anyway I think it was a 38 players is far too yeah. many um, you know you can have too much choice Sometimes and and from Farhad's perspective, you know why pay the bill? You know wages of ten people who are never going to get near the, yeah. the first team. So in terms of reducing the squad, I think it, it, it's prudent. Um, and what we've got really is the result of having what two or three management changes in 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 three years, where each manager had their own view of the world and brought their own players in on three four year contracts. And it's never thought that they're, at the end of that three or four year cycle, that they're all going, still going to be at the club, aren't they? So. No, I'm, 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 I totally agree with him and what Prano's saying there about good, good financial management, really. But we can't knock Farhad Mashiri for coming in in the summer of 26, well, coming in in 2016 and that first summer, making good on an internal promise to smash the wage structure and, you know, start paying wages, of, you know, that were above and beyond what was what was previously at the football club because that, that, that got the, the project, if you, if you like, moving and going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, help by the, uh, you know, the big step step up on the TV rights money 
couple of years ago was obviously supported that. I mean, I think um, the accounts, I think, were compared last year with any of the Premier League clubs, last week of the Premier League clubs for last year for the 2006-17 season, and our wage bill then was £105 million pounds which was the ninth highest in the Premier League and I think that's gone up again it was Robert Elston Robert Elston's, uh prediction would be that for the season we just had it would have been about 139 million yeah so I mean it was inevitable that we were going to be paying high higher wages anyway because of the TV money I know they tried to restrict that so uh, I to be expected in many ways it was part of the three year plan that far had talked about wasn't it to get players in quickly going to have to maybe pay a little bit higher uh, than normal on the wages to get them into the club um, but because of the management changes and our sorts of performance not reaching the required standards over those two campaigns we're left in this awkward position really and if you're reducing numbers in the squad you know presumably you can pay higher wages to better quality players you know 139 million divided between 38 players you know uh, that Dilutes the quality a little bit, you know. Whereas not doing the quick masters there, Brennan. I'm trying to yeah, very <laughs> struggling badly. But you know, equally, you know, if you're you know reducing the numbers and you know you got like a leaner squad, I think Marco Silva told us that he wanted you know two players in every position, you know, so 22, 24 players, you know, bolstered by younger players in the academy, and that was great to hear Marcel Brands talking about that. You know, he says before they even sign a player, they're going to look at the youth academy and just say, right, well, is there anybody whose progress could be hampered by bringing that player in, and you know, just to pick you know, a name at random, Cuco Martina, who did you know, pretty well, I thought, in spells last season. I know he's not everybody's cup of tea, but you know, he clearly prevented you know, so other players coming through you know, so from the youth academy uh, by playing. You know, there are other players you know, so at that level that possibly could have played. So they're going to look at that, which I think is quite important. And yeah, by reducing the numbers, you can then arguably you know, pay really serious money for really serious players and improve the quality in your squad. Gav... We've alluded to what some of the players are already on, and some of the players' salaries are fairly well known. Wayne Rooney, obviously, being the football yeah. club's top earner. Do you feel that as football fans, we have a right to know a what the transfer fee of a player is, and b how much money he earns a week? Um, the last one first. I don't think any employee of any organisation their salary should should be shared. I know sometimes you have to do that legally, but um, certainly, you know, we don't we don't have a right to know about the, the wages. Transfer fee, slightly different thing. Um, you know, I remember the old. I know, remember this. Remember the old. The, you know, the, the the transfer tribunals from, yeah, yeah. from the years ago. They were all supposed to be secret. Yeah. That those those fees that received between the clubs, they always got out eventually, and it's just part of the the reporting process that transfer fees get get recorded, don't they? So I've not got a problem on that. Um, sometimes clubs use them, don't they, as you know, like we have as a as a display of our ambition for saying, "Oh, we paid such and such." So you know, for mm. for, for somebody, it can work, work in clubs' favours to have that you know uh, fee out there. Should it be if, if we're gonna play that game in terms of it being for any football club, not just Everton? You know, a, a PR exercise in revealing the figure. If we reveal one figure, should they not reveal all of them for transfers? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, they just get out there, don't they? You know, there's just, the arguments as well about who pays the wages. I mean, yeah. I know it's not nothing to do with uh, money to the turnstiles anymore. It's all to do with TV money. But you know, that then is still paid for by you know your average punter, you, myself, you know, you know everybody paying their Sky subscriptions, their BT subscriptions. That in turn 
pays players' wages. Therefore, is there a right? You know, so for us to know exactly what they're earning, I don't know. It's a difficult one. Uh, it does put unnecessary pressure on players. And you know, for argument's sake, like last week when you know Marcel Brands and Mark and Silver were talking about wages, and I started looking deep, more deeply into the Everton, you know, sort of players' salaries. And you see some of the salaries and you immediately think, how the hell is he earning that after what he produced last season? And it shouldn't be that, you know, so it shouldn't so be So he's unhealthy. Exactly, it is, it is unhealthy. And I think, you know, if football clubs can keep wages, you know, quieter, it does take a little bit less pressure off players. It shouldn't be significant, but unfortunately it is. Mm. It, on all walks of life, look at the BBC, people want to know what their presenters, you know, are being paid. And it, it's an issue and... Rightly or wrongly, you know, so people talk about it. Yeah, I mean, some some agents can use it to their own advantage, can't they? So they're only willing to offer this, and we want that. You yes. know what I mean? And put that out there. So, I mean, it's it's one of them things. Why is football treated differently to any other line of business? I know you mentioned the BBC there, Preno, but it, to me, it's 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 uncomfortable that mm. you know that 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 wages. You know, people think they've got the right to know what people earn. Um, but it's just it's out there, isn't it? Really, transfer fees are slightly different. Um, going back to picking up on one of Preno's points before is, I think that reduction of the squad. What you don't want as well is just people hanging out the training ground who are never going to get near the team. Yeah. Just, just you know, it's just it's well that just, that just, comes just, on to the next point, yeah. Gav. Is that how difficult are actually Everton, although well intentioned and it, we agree it's the right thing to do. How difficult is it actually going to be? to move a lot of these players and obviously Wayne would be an exception because he looks like he's going to go to DC United anyway and that's that that's um, the wheels are in process and that should be completed fairly soon but how difficult is it going to be to get rid of hypothetically players such as Sandro Ramirez who we mentioned and maybe Davy Klassen who we are led to believe are on you know very very good wages but clearly have not been playing and you know which clubs because it's unlikely they're going to find clubs in the Premier League given that the fact that they've not made it at Everton. So yeah. are Everton almost in a catch two twenty two situation? Um, yeah, it's going to be difficult, isn't it? Purely on the basis that you've answered that question by saying the wages are sky high. So who's going to, you know, if you went abroad, which foreign clubs can match those wages? We're just going to have to be imaginative, I think, and how yeah. how we deal with this in terms of loan deals, par payments, of salaries, all that type of stuff. I think it'd be very difficult for a, a like for like uh, wage bill to be be met by somebody you know abroad if you're not settled in this country, um, and also as well the simple matter of, of the transfer fee as well. So I, I think this year we're just going to have to be, as I say, try and be, use our imagination. But what's the best way of, of dealing with it in, in the short term? And it'd be be interesting to see if the club's prepared to take losses on players just to get them out, out the door in, in the well, short term. They end up paying the wages, don't they? Yeah. It's funny, actually, I was going to jump in there because I had this very same conversation a long time ago with Walter Smith when um, Everson were very, very strongly linked with Bobby Zamora. And if you remember, he was playing for Brighton, I think, at yeah. the time. And uh, Walter and a delegation, Bill Kenwright and a few others all went to Brighton to watch him play. And it seemed a bit weird, you know, why is the boardroom members going to watch this player? And I was talking to Walter about him and why I thought he'd be a decent signing. And he was more reluctant uh, to make the plunge. And he talked about wages. He says, well, if he comes to Everton, he's going to be on you know good wages for the time then. 
if he can't make the step up from the Championship to the Premier League, we're stuck with him. You know, we can't move him on because his wages are so great. Other clubs, like you just said, have seen that he can't hack it in the Premier League. And therefore, you know, you end up pushing him out on loan somewhere, still paying half of his wages. And the club suffers financially as a result. As it was, you know, Zamora proved, not with Everton, but, you know, he was all right in the Premier League. He could cut it at that level. But it's a gamble. It always is a gamble when you're bringing players in from other leagues and from, you know, sort of other levels of football. Would we be naive, Preno and Gavin, get both your thoughts on this, would we be naive to think that maybe there would be some give and take and that the players who haven't been playing but are keen to get playing again would take some form of wage cut to get a move? Depends on the individual. Some players would 100%. You know, you think they just want to play football. Wayne Rooney, for example, I think that's the reason he's going to DC United because he wants to carry on playing football and he'd rather carry on playing at Everton, but you can't get those assurances, which is why he's looking elsewhere. You look at other players, I'm not going to name names here, but I think there's one or two players in their squad that you look at and you think, yeah, he'd be happy to sit there and carry on taking the wages, especially when, you know, they are significant wages. Mm-hmm. Uh, all down to the individual, I think. And, you know, that's why your homework needs to be absolutely top class when you're looking into the players you're looking to buy. David Moyes was brilliant at that. Uh, he used to look at players' characters, attitudes, you know, so previous elsewhere. I don't think that level of meticulousness has quite gone into uh, transfers that are being made under, you know, some more recent managers. Yeah, yeah, we've, yeah we've, we've said that before, haven't we? It goes back to the, this um, the issue here is we needed to, you know, hit the ground running under this project, didn't we? So we didn't have that time to take out and really scout the markets. I mean, we spoke, Phil, remember, on the podcast in 2016, saying, and that was the Euros that year, wasn't it, as well? Um, And Ronald came in late, and it was only a very small window to buy players. Inevitably, there was going to be a little bit of a, um, you know, sort of mix and match and sort of uh, taking a gamble. Unfortunately... Um, that gamble for a, for a lot of players hasn't worked, has it really? I'm now left in this this awkward position. It, it, it's it's interesting. Um, do, do you think professional pride comes into this? I know I know Marcel spoke it, about it having be. difficult yeah. difficult conversation mm. with players, and there's some players actually, you know, think actually I don't really want it. It's not great for my longer term career. Well, I was going to say, does it matter at what what stage of their career they're at. Yeah, it does. Well, Prano said about Wayne, he can afford to do that on his own his money. Somebody else may be 10 years younger, it's slightly different. But one of the options being is actually, I'm, you know, the next four or five years of my career, I might be better at taking a short-term hit on wages and making a move that's maybe not immediately financial beneficial for me, just to keep me out there and keep clubs interested and show that I've got a longer-term future in the game. And some of the more cleverer players, you may think that that might, you know, if they're best advised, if they haven't got a future, haven't, you know, the advice would be, well, actually, in the longer term, you might won't want to take a, you know, take a hit. Um, but as you say, it, it's all down to personality and the agent's personality as well, isn't it? It is. Yeah, the know. agents, you know, can push players a lot. I'm thinking of the situation that Jack Rod was in up at Sunderland, where he's getting an awful lot of flack uh, for you know, sort of not moving on. Uh, because he is on significant wages for a club at Sunderland's level. And, you know, he would have to take a significant drop, you know, to go anywhere else. And, you know, he's found himself in a very, very awkward situation. Uh, I think he should bite the bullet. Nothing to do with us. What happens to Jack Rodwell these days? You know, he's made his bed, so he should lie in it. But, yeah, you know, the the personality and the agents, you know, sort of come into a significant amount. I mean, the other thing as well is, when we're talking about wages, is is to have in mind is the next next TBD deal for the overseas rights for the Premier League is is due in in the next 12 months or something like that where they're anticipating another massive step change in what's paid uh, from um, 
foreign countries, and that's going to obviously raise revenue enormously for, for Premier League clubs. And so whenever they're negotiating about wages, with players want to bring in now, agents are going to have that in mind, that actually 150k for Wayne Rooney, as you're saying, is like high, but actually under the TV deals come in and, and so on and so forth, that could well be the norm. So we have to view the longer, you know, what's going to happen with income over the next four or five years uh, with clubs uh, when we're talking about wages. But I, I'm, I'm with Preno on this. I'd rather have 20 players, top quality, on good money. And is there, not, that, is there not an argument to say as well as that would, you know, that is actually, you know, very sensible and to say that, but equally, is there not an... Um, an argument to a bit of a shift in transfer policy at Everton where they actually should be trying to recruit younger, hungrier players at the, at the earlier stages of his career who can't demand the top whack but are willing to prove themselves and, and they've got the, you know, it's an incentivised deal or the, you can go on and earn this but you need to show us. And yeah, well, like Marcel did the PSV. Well, this goes back to short-term and medium and long-term aims, isn't it? Can't can ourselves in that position all very well talking about academy players and, and so on it is, is can, and this is the problem we face over the last couple of years can we take that gamble of saying oh we need you know we're buying young promising can we take that gamble it might take a year or two years but, to even given what you, but given what you just said Gav a couple of minutes ago about the difficulty difficulties we had in the summer of 2016 where we try to get things moving at double quick speed yeah. have we just got to be <laughs> It's been a word we've used a lot, unfortunately, as Evertonians. But patient with this new system, with Marcel and Marco, and go look. It's going to be difficult to completely reshape the squad overnight. It won't happen in total this summer. It will. This is a, this yeah. is a project, as yeah, everybody, yeah. you know, as they all say now, don't they? Yeah, and it's interesting to see what Plano says about this. Maybe Farhad's recalibrating what we can achieve in the short term, and what he's, what he may think is that the best value we can get out of his investments is if we do that rather than have a load of dead money spent on transfers and wages and, and perhaps, you know, that 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 thing of using the transfer market actually to generate in, income for the club rather than just being a case of, you know, bringing players in like Chelsea make enormous profits, profits don't they, on, on, on sales. Um, so maybe, you know, with the new leadership at the top of the club, you may want to just, like, as you say, take a step back and say... Rather than three years, four or five years or whatever might be the more realistic aim here and give ourselves a couple of years just to build something up from the bottom. Because, Brennan, just before I let you answer there, because with total respect and hugely admire Sean Dyche and what he did with Burnley last season, we still finished eighth and we had a bit of a nightmare, didn't we? <laughs> so, as far as the football club looked at that and gone, you don't have to be great shakes to get back into the Europa League, assuming seventh does yeah. it, is it. So, we can still make progress, inverted commas, while steadily building this up again? I, I think the targets are still the same as they have been. I still think it's top six. It's Europe that you know, so Everton are looking for. I don't think that will change. Like you say, it's only one position higher up the league. Uh, and you, know, you can do that with the acquisition of... I think they both said, Marco and Marcel, you know, there's not going to be 
anything like the, the scattergun approach to transfer market this summer. There's going to be quality rather than quantity. Two, maybe three, you know, higher quality players than Emerson already have. And that, you know, could be sufficient to do it. And it's funny, Gav mentioned that about, uh, you know, sort of transfer policy of Chelsea. Uh, you know, a lot of football clubs do treat the transfer market differently. And Chelsea are using it to make money. Ross Barkley has been bought, I'm convinced, as an investment. Not with any long-term plan to include him in their first-team squad and to play football matches. It's because at 15 million quid, he was a bargain that couldn't be ignored, that they will sell a year, two years on down the line for twice that at least. Yeah. And, you know, it's quite cynical, but they've been very, very good at doing it. Yeah, probably sound back to us. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's why they've got so many players yeah. out on loan, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be interesting uh, to see how, how that whole thing pans out. I mean, and what... I mean, we've got we've got academies are like that, aren't they? Where academy any transfer fee you'd you'd receive it at an academy play, it's just profit, isn't it? So it's interesting to see clubs are using the market differently. It's not just a case of buying players to get the team on the pitch working. It's as as you say, an investment, um, and maybe we want to think think like that as well. Um, it's it, but it, the keys the demands on on for success and what, what yeah. people think. The, can the interesting one in recent years has been the number of players Everton have bought primarily for the youth academy, mm. which I don't remember in the past. I mean, you buy players because you think they're going to play in your first team, and Everton aren't doing that now. They're actively adding three or four players every summer who they can play in the youth academy, hopefully develop, and uh, bring through. We, we haven't seen too much success you know in that strategy recently i mean john stones and mason holgate were bought you know i would suggest as first team players and you know, made the progress very very quickly the players have been identified for the under 23 squad can't think of any really that have you know sort of we, come through and play you know regular first team football but you know it's something you can't ignore you know, has done very well sorry yeah calvert lewin has been excellent yeah. here, but yeah that that part you know there haven't been that many i mean certainly the four or five that were bought last season i think there's high you hopes saw them more than i did yeah I, I think there's high hopes for dennis adenaran yeah. He got injured, so missed the, the final half of the season. But I think there's some really high hopes for him. He was obviously bought from Fulham on deadline day last yeah. summer, so he's one that certainly we should uh, we should keep an eye on. Um, just thinking about Farhad's um, new sort of take on 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 finances at Everton. How much are these decisions that he's making now to just tighten the purse strings, so to speak, are with them with with Bramley Moore in mind? And is he is he thinking? I want to retain the funds and the resource that when we're in this new stadium, fingers crossed, and we're paying back loans or whatever, and the costs that come with it, I've still got the funds available to help the team on the pitch if needed to inject the cash or go and buy X, Y, and Z. And yeah, yeah. It's two different pots of money, aren't they? Um, but, yeah, I, I agree. Um, the best way of paying for Bramley Moore is success in the Premier League, though, isn't it? It's to a degree. And that the commercial stuff that comes on the back of that, so that's why the top six is 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 is, is the best way of like sort of meeting the financial challenges of, of Bramley Moore. So yeah, I think it just goes back to what Plano said at the very start of the podcast. It's just part of good financial management of the club overall, isn't it really? And I'm sure that comes into it because um, and you've got FFP there. I know like the stuff we spend on Bramley Moore doesn't come under FFP, does it? Um, Think, I think that's still right. That's still the rule. Um, so yeah, I, just part of good stewardship of the club, and you know, you never become a you know a billionaire by wasting money, did he? Like in the long term, in the short term maybe, but in, yes. in the long term. Well, yeah. I think that's entirely it. Yeah. I don't think Bramley Moore has any part to play in his thoughts at all. You know, I think he just saw the money that was wasted last summer. 
and just thought, I don't want to see that again. I, I want to see you know money used prudently. And I think that's what's coming to his thinking. And it's not just players who have been bought who haven't been a success because that can happen to any football club. You, know, you can never you know sort of second guess how a player's going to do. It's seeing players bought for the same position over and over again. That's just madness. Um, you know, I think that made him, you know, sit up and take stock. And I think that's why Steve Walsh has moved on, you know, because, you know, the transfer strategy didn't appear to be all that coordinated or all, all that clever, to be perfectly honest. All that strategic. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's why, you know, he wants to see a different approach this summer. I don't think it's anything to do with, you know, saving money for Bramley Moore. He just wants to see his money used more sensibly. Mm-hmm. On Friday afternoon, Spurs announced that it- uh, awarded Harry Kane with a new deal where he apparently has doubled his wages from £100,000 a week to the princely sum of £200,000 a week. Spurs famously, Gav, uh, have employed a salary cap. Now, is that something that perhaps privately Farhad may have instructed Marcel to work with or is it something that, they, that Everton should be looking to do? Um, first thing to say, I think Harry Kane's worth every penny of two hundred grand a week. Um you know, if that's the, the starting point. It depends what you define as a salary gap, though. It's like, is that by player or just for the squad as a pair week as a whole and individual contacts? Certainly or, the impression you get from Spurs is when they're renegotiating yeah. or negotiating transfers of any player, they say, well, we're not willing to pay you above anything else because the highest earner of the football club is Harry Kane and he's yeah. on 100 grand of 200 grand. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, I think that's true, but it goes back to what I was saying before, but the TV money and the overseas rights coming into it, then... How long's a, a salary cap valid? I mean, um, I think a far more better way of doing it, which is what we agreed here, is to say each year, Marcel, you've got you know 130 million pounds to spend on wages. You know, fit your strategy around that. You know, negotiate higher deals for the players who you think are worth it if you want to bring quality in. But overall, that's what that's the budget that you're living in, living, living, living with. So. I'd be far more a fan of the the, the that that strategy uh, than than sort of like saying we will never pay a player here more than okay. X a week because that excludes then players from the market that actually you 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 may may otherwise have wanted. And do you remember that spell in the seventies when we had the four or five top class players all putting in transfer requests? Yeah, was it Latchford, Colin Todd? You know, there were loads all at the same Dave, time because you know the, the club wouldn't pay the wages. They Dave were Thomas for. was another Dave one, wasn't Thomas, he? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it can be a very dangerous road to take if you start putting caps on. For argument's sake, you know, say Marcus Rashford suddenly becomes available this summer, and you know you get wind that he might be prepared to come to Everton. You pay whatever he wants, you know, because he would improve Everton dramatically. Mm. Uh, I, I think you've got to be careful with transfer caps or salary caps. Yeah. Yeah, as long as you that the whole point of this as well is pay them what they want, but don't overpay. Yeah, you know, pay. You know, it has to be like a two-sided thing. So, I, I just think it, it it's the whole thing makes sense for me. You know, this 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 discussion and what what Marcel's come in and said and what Farhad's aims are, and sort of you know maybe just looking at things again. I think it all makes sense and fits in with the new the sort of new regime at the club, both at boardroom level and on the coaching pitch. To be honest with you, so. On things making sense, last summer, the football club sold Romelu Lukaku at a healthy profit. The summer before, they sold John Stones at a healthy profit. Pren, I'm going to come to you first because I have had this discussion with Gav. If Everton Football Club were made an offer for one of their prized assets, and it was our assumption that the, the most prized asset in, in the squad is Jordan Pickford, and obviously the suggestions, paper talk of Bayern Munich keeping tabs on him. If there was a, a huge offer for Jordan Pickford, and we're talking... The going rate of a top-class goalkeeper would be seventy million, something like that. 
Do Everton seriously have to consider it now? Is that something that you have to go, well, that's 70 million we could reinvest? It's a tough one, that. I mean, I like Jordan Pickford an awful lot, but could you get you know, a goalkeeper of approaching that kind of quality you know, for, for half that, that 70 million quid? I would argue you possibly could. What you're taking a chance on then is how that play will develop. And, you know, could he become a Neville Southall, you know, one of the best goalkeepers we've ever seen? And it's a dangerous one. I mean, again, using you know, a historical contrast, Everson made a massive mistake, I believe, when they sold Gary Lineker uh, to Barcelona for 2.8 million in the summer of 86. The guy just finished top scorer at the World Cup. And Howard always justified that the following year by saying Everson won the league, by, you know, playing football in a different way. Uh, being more of a, a team player, not looking for the ball over the top, not being as direct as Route 1. But equally, they were denied you know, Europe's top goal scorer for the next five or six seasons. And so, I, I don't know. I mean, only the coaches that work with Jordan Pickford that know what his potential would be like could make the call on that. I, I would be loath to lose him. I, I think when you've got you know, any player that has settled into the club so quickly, uh, is playing very, very well already and looks like he's going to improve, you don't look to sell him. Uh, no matter what kind of uh, offer is made. No, Gavin, I'm, sh- I'm sure you would echo the sentiments. We, yeah. we don't want to see Jordan Pickford go, but in terms of it being a business decision, is, is it something that Everton hypothetically would have to consider or is it just no chance? We are not even sort of going to count this. Yeah, players' role and this is important, what do they want as well? I, I, I just think, going back to Pleno, sound like too old. Bogies here, like the other one, but That's not, not buying Peter Shilton in the 70s, isn't yeah. it? Like that cost us not having a top class goalkeeper. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, finally, after 130 years of organised football, people have realised that that goalkeepers are actually valued assets in the fact yeah. in the modern game and actually maybe getting onto that being the most important member of the team That's at, at the Brian, top level. One of the many reasons Brian Clough was ahead yeah. of his time, one of the and few you know, English managers that recognised yeah, that. Yeah, and you're now looking at, you know, fees for goalkeepers commensurate with their importance to the team and you know and some of them don't carry risk they're not going to get injured oh, okay they might pick up the odd injury they don't have the risk of outfield players and a lot of them uh, so I think um, on that basis you will be loath to to welcome any bids or encourage anything with Jordan if he, if he assuming he has a good World Cup and he comes back and maybe and that, would, good, that worries me the World yeah, Cup you know with yeah. Pickford because you know such a high profile position and you know one mistake how's that going to affect well that yeah could work both yeah. ways here couldn't yeah. it um, so I think it, to me it's rapidly becoming the most important part of the team you know as as dare I say our rivals across the park have maybe learned over the last twelve or eighteen months uh, and so therefore n- no but. And that will be the business decision in terms of the well-being of the team. Wants to be successful, keep him, assuming he develops. Yeah. And, and he's got what you know. All coaches are looking for in their goalkeepers now, with the ball at his feet. Yes. You know, he's he's a great goalkeeper. You know, with his shot stopping, but with the ball at his feet, he's better than most out there. And that's what you know. Pep Guardiola was seeking. That, that's what so many. That's what uh, Jurgen Klopp wants, and hasn't quite got yet. You know, Everton have got it. So yeah, you know, keep hold for as long as you can. Uh, moving away slightly, but just before we finish shot from wages, uh, but staying with goalkeepers, Prano, disappointed to see that Joel Robles has been released and looks like he's heading home with uh, Hitafe, favourites to sign him. Yeah, I mean, I think he was an, an ideal number two, if you like. Um, I've, I've been through this so many times, yeah, because, you know, Neville Southall's career. Uh, where goalkeepers never got a look in, and there was like a you know conveyor belt. But to begin with, you know he was pushed, you know, by Jim Arnold and Bobby Mims and uh, Joe Robles is 
He's, he's better th than a backup, really. I mean, he was very hard done to when he had that little spell uh, when he was keeping Tim Howard out of the team, and you know should really have kept his place when Tim Howard regained full fitness, you know, so after the injury and didn't, and was never really given the opportunity to show that you know he could make that position his own. Um, I would have liked to have seen him stick around. I mean, Stecklenberg has done okay in, in patches, but you know he's. He's 34, 35 now. You know, Rob Blair's much, much the younger, younger man. But, you know, goalkeepers get frustrated. I mean, it's funny, actually, I was a feature in one of the uh, papers this weekend about the Chelsea number two, a guy I'd never heard of. He'd been there nine years, and I think he played about three or four games, and he's finally moved on at the age of 25. Wow. And, you know, absolutely staggering. So finding a goalkeeper that is willing to be patient and willing to stick around uh, and, you know, get the occasional Carabao Cup tie or you know, the occasional appearance when goalkeepers are injured is very, very difficult to do. Uh, sorry to see Joel go. I think he was better than you know, uh, a number two, but equally Jordan Pickford is the man that you know, is, is going to be very, very hard to dislodge over the next few seasons. So Hunt is on to maybe find a younger alternative. Indeed. Um, Gav, encouraged by the comments from Marcel Brands over the weekend, uh, Preno's piece uh, saying that Luckman is somebody that he tried to sign at PSV. You know, he's very happy with his talent and he will be involved in the squad this season. Yeah, because he's finished off the, uh, the goal at this point. Richard Wright's still not available, is he? <laughs> <laughs> it's on the bench. Like, yeah. He should never have been in, <laughs> yeah, in yeah. the first place. Um, <laughs> yeah, very. I mean, he's. We talk about players you don't want to see moved on, and, and Luckman's had an you know, interesting time at Evan, hasn't he? Because not only had the Dortmund low move, there was stories that maybe he was unhappy and things behind the scenes, you know. 12 months ago uh, keep them all day long you know we talk about players who in the current squad last year about what their roles would be under under silver under maybe say 4-3-3 and he, he's ideally isn't he 4-3-3 up top on the left left hand side he, 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 he was he the first give person I thought of when Marco said 4-3-3 yeah, yeah he'd, be, he'd be one of the first names on the team she's assuming he develops and he's in a bit confidence hopefully from the, the, the Leipzig experience um, would, would not send a good message if he if he was uh, up for sale and he hopefully next year he'd be one of the first names on the team sheet well yeah, a bit of background on that conversation because it was uh, with the Sunday newspaper journalist and initially they'd asked uh, Marcel about Davy Klassen and he gave a very diplomatic, very you know, sort of uncommitted answer, reading between the lines, which makes you think, oh, well, they're going to try and move him on. So we then asked him about Adam Ola-Luckman, and it was a much shorter, much more pointed response. And he goes, yes, I know all about him. I tried to sign him for PSV, very talented player. He'll be moved up to the first team squad. You know, so clearly they see a role for him. Now, hopefully that will be sufficient encouragement for Adam Ola-Luckman you know, to, to see a future for himself at Everton and stick around, because clearly he's a very ambitious young man. That was a very brave move to go to Germany uh, at the age he did, and it was successful. It you know, proved that you know, the young lad has got a bit about him. Um, so, you know, hopefully he will get his opportunity. And, you know, he did have occasions last season when he made things happen. For me, the turning point in the Watford game was Luckman coming on the 3-2 home. He was absolutely great that day. There was the little cameo in the Anfield, you know, FA Cup derby where he looked great. But equally, earlier in the season, there were times when he was a bit of a liability. You know, he'd get possession and lose it very, very easily. That was early on in the season. Maybe he was still learning. And, you know, clearly there's a talent there, but it needs to be honed and needs to be nurtured in the right way. Hope he gets opportunities and I hope he takes him because clearly, you know, the raw material there is impressive. Mm. And, of course, <laughs> Steve Walsh signing, Gav. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I was just saying something about wages. We've probably given him a 20 grand, <laughs> grand a week pay rise there. Have me, like, <laughs> talking him up. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, some... Yeah. 
it's, it's interesting compared to prove the rule. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's a bit, a bit like Howard's first seven or eight signings oh, weren't that great, but one of them was Neville, wasn't he? Yeah. He got away with it in some yeah. respects, didn't he? Um, so, yeah, what can you say about uh, Walsh? I mean, there's a big difference. I know we, this is not necessarily subject of the podcast. Massive difference between Walsh and Brands, isn't it, in terms of their their gravitas and the role and because of their experience, maybe personality. And that's an enormous bonus for me in all of this. Um, so yeah, so hopefully it'll work out, and you know, hopefully you know if that's Walsh's main benefit to Everton, then you know, we all, we all benefit ourselves, don't we? Absolutely. Well, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you very much for listening to a special wages edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed it. Stay with the Echo uh, online right the way through the summer, and obviously we'll be back to record another podcast soon. But thank you very much for listening to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.